Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City, welcome in. Oh, I I woke you up. I woke you up. Sorry, sorry. Good morning, Sack City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukes. I am Mukes. It is a beautiful September twenty first morning here in the city. Episode eighty six is about to kick off. We are breaking down the Thursday night football matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, as well as dropping another red-hot Week 3 power rankings that will most likely get a lot of people upset. We might ruffle some feathers, but that's what we're here to do. Aaron, how goes it? It goes well. It goes well. I'm excited to talk about these power rankings. And uh, just, you know, three words. Come at me. Come at me. Come at me. I'm ready for it because if things continue to go the way that they've been going, um, people will be mad. People will tell me how we don't know football. And then three months from now, when it all plays out the way we say it's going to play out, we will say, where are you at? And there'll be nowhere to found, nowhere to be found. And, you know, you know who I'm talking to, Titans fans, Bengals fans, just say it. Should we start trying to be wrong so that, like, so they come back. Watch. Yes. So more, more people watch our show or like, cause right now we're pissing a lot of people off because we, we tell it how it is and yeah. they don't like being wrong. I mean, it's been, I'm still there. We're about to file a missing, a missing persons report for Titans fans and Bengals fans. I think, cause it's, it's getting, it's getting tough out in the streets for those fans. Cause they am, they have not been showing up to, to defend themselves lately, even though that's the thing you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta be sticking up for your team in, in the hard times, the good times. So that, that's, that's kind of where you're at, but we'll see where all these teams fall in uh, this week's power rankings. But first let's get in to our morning headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Bobby Hart has been suspended one game for throwing a punch at a Titans coach in the tunnel following Monday's game. He reportedly came all the way across the field and targeted said coach just to take a swing at him. Uh, it violates, obviously, the NFL's unsportsmanlike conduct policy, and he has been suspended for one game. Uh, this week, the Buffalo Bills have Miami, so it's a game that they need all hands on deck, but they will be without Bobby Hart. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are bringing up running back Marlon Mack to their active roster after losing both Elijah Mitchell and Tyrion Davis Price. Uh, the running back position is getting thin in San Francisco, so they bring in the veteran of Marlon Mack to assist and maybe back up a uh, um, uh, what, what's, uh, what's his first name? What's his first Jeff name? Wilson. Jeff Wilson. <laughs> oh yeah, but oh yeah, but if you're so excited about him, player of the I game, just, but you don't know his name. Just a brain fart there, uh, but they're bringing up Marlon Mack to help assist Jeff Wilson and um, the other guy that they have that I can't remember. My mind is drawing a huge blank on the running back depth chart for 
uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but either way, Marlon Mack is, is there. Uh, and last but certainly not least, former Steelers and Browns corner Joe Hayden is announcing his retirement after 12 seasons in the league. The three-time Pro Bowler spent his first seven years with the Cleveland Browns after being drafted seventh overall in 2010. Uh, although he finished the last five years of his career with the opposition and the rival of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hayden has signed a one day contract to retire a Brown. He's also the second highest paid cornerback in NFL history. Um, so congratulations, Joe Hayden on a great career. Uh, he is retired after 12 seasons. Again, we are previewing the Browns and the Steelers game uh, this after this morning, uh, later on, probably to close out our show. We'll, we'll preview that game. Um, so stick around for that. That does it for our morning headlines. Let's get in to our injury report. First of all, I want to say I'm very discouraged by the fact that Vinny does not know the names of the running backs that are on the 49ers depth chart. Um, and then I look in our chat and I see that our own new intern doesn't know the name of our running backs on the 49ers. It is not Jacob Mason. It's Jordan Mason. So please understand what you're talking about before you bring up people. Uh, that's, that's the second. That is the second time Bailey has called him Jacob Mason, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what where that Jacob Mason is coming from. It's Jordan Mason. Jeff Wilson, Tyrion Davis-Price, and Ron Marlon Max. So you guys get your heads together. Get, get right there. Um, let's talk injuries, though. Uh, Bucks injuries continue to pile up. Defensive tackle Akeem Hicks, one of their big offseason additions on that defensive front to kind of fill that Indomitian Sioux role and continue to stay stout next to Vita Vea there. Uh, he tore his plantar fascia in his foot and is now expected to be out a month. Uh, something I will tell you about plantar fasciitis and the plantar fascia injuries, those things can linger if you don't allow them to heal. Um, there is no real way to resolve those issues so uh, he's a big boy that could some, be something that kind of lingers throughout the throughout the season and it says a month but that might be longer uh bill said coach sean mcdermott says uh micah Hyde was taken to the hospital following monday night's uh football's win with an evaluated for a neck injury and he's considered day-to-day -day, so we don't have a whole lot of information there but we'll keep our eye on that obviously one of the better safeties in football probably the best tandem of safeties in football uh, for the Bills, and they have a big game this week against Miami. And then the Rams placed corner who uh, Troy Hill, which was a big addition. We talked about Troy Hill being a huge addition back to that defense. Um, he's been placed on IR, and he's going to be out uh, for a while with the growing injury. So uh, big, big injury there. Uh, but that's it. That's all. That's all we have for you today on a Wednesday. It's a light day. Um, obviously, nobody played yesterday, so we don't have any more injuries to add on from from yesterday because there was no games yesterday however tomorrow is thursday it's, there is a game and we might have some more injury notes for you tomorrow it's nice not to have all these injury notes for once because normally they've been piling up lately and it's nice to not have all these headlines because they've been piling up uh, as well, well lately one thing is is wednesdays you'll get a lot of information today because many many players will not practice today um, the veterans that have lingering issues will not practice on wednesdays well, uh, it's kind of the veteran rest day today um, so you'll get you'll get some there will there were some veterans that did not practice on Tuesday, mostly in the brown like with the Browns. Um, Jack Cla Jack Conklin was limited on Tuesday's practice. I didn't really note that because I didn't know if it was that big of a deal. Uh, and Miles well, yeah, Garrett yeah, also, for, for that Miles game. Garrett also did not practice. Uh, and then Joel Joel Batonio did not practice. So there was a lot of guys to the Browns that did not practice on Tuesday if you wanted to throw that out no i just meant around the league because for the games especially sunday's games wednesday is kind of a veteran rest day slash if you have any lingering issues you don't practice on wednesday and then you try to get back at it back at it and get ready to go uh thursday friday so wednesday and thursday sometimes are, are days where people rest or or you'll see hey didn't practice ankle injury and then doesn't mean they're not going to play. It means they're trying to progress and get right before Friday when they have to announce their uh, injury report for Sunday uh, before the actives and actives actually on game day. So um, there should be a little bit, maybe a little bit more news coming out today about some of those guys. And we will have all that news ready for you tomorrow on our injury report live at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, if you're new to the show, I want to give a reminder out to everybody. Actually, I'm going to let you uh, No, Aaron, you do all the talking normally. So I will remind yeah. everyone where they can follow us at. Uh, if you're new to the show, if you're just following us for the first time, please uh, follow us on all of our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and that tickety talk at the Sac City pod for more great NFL content that we are dropping every single day. Bailey has taken over our Twitter and he's 
locked and loaded, pumping out content on there. So Twitter is uh, becoming a real place to be at the Sac City Pod. Uh, and of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and share and tell a friend. Uh, be, be a friend, tell a friend kind of thing. Uh, Sac City Podcast is the number one place to be for your football content this season. Let's get into our power rankings here. Starting off, if you guys are new to the show, have not seen our power rankings before. Uh, we've been doing it since the end of preseason. We gave a preseason power rankings. We've done week one. Now we're going after week two um, for our power rankings. And it can get spicy. So let's start off 32 through 25. Uh, headlined by the Tennessee Titans falling four spots. They drop uh, from 23 to 27. The New England Patriots move up three spots, which is good for them because they've been we've been they we've we've targeted them a little bit. They've been um dropping they dropped in our first power rankings now they move up three spots to 25 the jets move up four spots those are the pretty big movers in this week's power rankings for 25 through 32 but let's start with the big one the tennessee titans dropping four spots after a loss uh, just a decimating loss to the buffalo bills some titans fans may be like wait but they just lost to the buffalo bills of course they lost to the buffalo bills what did you expect aaron why did you drop them so far yeah, it's not the loss to the Buffalo Bills. And, I, and I've said this before, especially when we're talking about power rankings. I'm not looking whether you win or lose to determine where you need to be ranked or what or what it is you should be ranked as. I'm looking at how you how you look while you play. I go back and I watch these games. I watch them live when I can. Obviously, I can't watch 16 games at one time. But I go back and I watch these games. And I did watch this Monday Night Football game. And it wasn't just that the Tennessee Titans were bad on when they've been successful in the regular season. Has been the running game. And that running game hasn't been very good. If, if anything, it's been inefficient. It's been lackluster, which we said could happen. Derrick Henry coming back from a big injury. No more weapon on the outside of an A.J. Brown. Teams are going to focus on that run game and force Ryan Tannehill and that offense to do things that they don't want to do. They want to be in play action. They want to get ahead of the chains and they want to be in third and short. And they have not been able to do that because they haven't got the running game going early. And I think defensively they I will say this defensively outside of playing the Buffalo Bills they haven't been terrible they're, they're still a solid defense but when you lack explosiveness on the offense and ability to put up points you are going to struggle in an NFL that has teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and you're going to force Ryan Tannehill to have to come back in games and go win you games and I'm sorry that's not the way this team is built it's not something that they are comfortable doing and they're going to struggle as a result of that. So um, this is really just about them needing some offensive weapons, needing to maybe change an offensive scheme to find ways to create explosive plays. And so far, I don't know that they can do that. This is something that I worry about long-term going forward. And uh, the Tennessee Titans are in real trouble. We're going to have some solutions to the Titans when we preview their game uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow when we do our AFC game previews, we have the Titans playing. I can't remember who they're matched up against. Um, but we, we have a Titans on tomorrow's show. And I am going to. You're forgetting uh, I am a lot try today. And, Yeah, I am. My memory is just, it's just locked in on trying to figure out what questions I'm asking you today. And I forgot, <laughs> I've forgotten everything else. They play um, the Raiders. The okay, so so the Raven, the Titans play the Raiders tomorrow, uh, and, I, and we're gonna get some answers Sunday. from you to try and. I'm just gonna stop talking and move <laughs> on here, because uh, obviously my words are it's it's hard it's hard today. Um, let's so so that is 25 through 32. Uh, the Bears are now the worst team in the league uh, for us because the Atlanta Falcons, and this was I can take this one over because I know exactly why you put the Falcons over the Bears. Falcons haven't grinded it out. Falcons made it tough against the Rams. They made it tough in week one um, against the Saints. And the Bears have had, well, the sloppy game against San Francisco was understandable, but they just have not looked good, not really allowing Justin Fields to do anything in the passing game or in games in general. So the Bears move to the number 32 spot in our power rankings. Moving on to 24 through 17, the Steelers are one of the bigger, the biggest drops that we have uh, in this year, in this week's power rankings, dropping from 17 to 24 after losing to the New England Patriots this past week. But I think the mo the team that jumps out to you the most on this page here is the Indianapolis Colts going from 16 to 22 after being shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aaron, what was the uh, what was your thought process, and what have you seen from the Colts that has really made you say Colts? 
you suck. Um, I don't want to go suck, but they've, <laughs> they've struggled themselves offensively, and I did not expect it. I thought the addition of Matt Ryan would help this offense uh, because it would limit turnovers. It would create be able to create big plays. And through two weeks, and I know this week they didn't have any receivers to help them. They were without Michael Pittman, and that's a huge part of that offense. But Jonathan Taylor did not run the ball well. Matt Ryan threw, turned the ball over three times. That's a problem for me. That's a that's a Carson Wentz all over again type of problem. And we seen last year they weren't even able to make the playoffs with that type of offense when, when they were turning the football over and not able to move the ball. So um, not saying Jacksonville is not a good football team, but they are considered one of the weaker teams in the league. And you go in there and you get absolutely destroyed. It wasn't just, hey, it was a tight game. Jacksonville was at home. They won the game, division game. It was like you didn't show up. Jacksonville dominated offensively, dominated defensively, and the Colts had no answer for anything. So um, yes, I give the Jaguars credit. As you can tell, I moved them up significantly as well. But the Colts have to be looked at here as, as having serious concerns about what they are going to be able to do going forward, especially on the offensive side of the football when you lack explosive weapons. Pittman's great. He's not explosive. Jonathan Taylor is it. And they are built very similar to the Tennessee Titans. The only thing I thought was different was I trusted Matt Ryan more than I trusted Ryan Tannehill. And now watching Matt Ryan, I'm like, Ugh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. And I know they don't have Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard, whatever you want to call him. He hasn't played the first two weeks. Maybe that helps that defense a little bit going forward. But if you're a Colts fan, with all the high expectations that you had going into 2022 with the addition of Matt Ryan getting rid of Carson Wentz, you were excited. You have to have some concern here. And I do have that concern. Yeah, and there was – I mean, this is the team that we all had in the playoffs. And I think, I think the fact that – yeah we, yeah, we had him in the playoffs and it was the them winning the AFC South, which we thought was a weaker conference or a, week, a weaker division. This team we did think had potential. I mean, you make that move from Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan, we thought was an upgrade over Carson Wentz and you see what they're doing now on the field. And it's, it's do you think it's more so that they're going to grow into and they're going to figure it out? Like they just need time to gel or is it just, is there more, what, like, what is the pro like what, what is the problem with the Indianapolis Colts? Like what, like can you- they're, they're, they're not as talented as I think people thought they were, okay. including myself. I, I thought they like, I never put them. I, although I thought they would win that division because it was easier and they still could win that division. Don't get me wrong, but I thought they were, it was like bills, chiefs, like talent wise, bills, chiefs, chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Cause obviously they whole AFC West. And then like, Ravens, Colts, like right there. Like I thought the Colts were up there from a defensive perspective. They are super talented, but they haven't really played like it. And then from an offense perspective, I really did put Matt Ryan, uh, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor as a kind of this three headed monster that would be able to carry their offense. And now when I'm watching the play, I'm like, it's not as exciting as I maybe I thought it was like maybe Ryan, maybe Matt Ryan is a little bit too old to kind of still fit into that quarterback category where he can carry a team at times. Maybe he is just that pedestrian veteran quarterback that you're asking not to lose you games. And when he does, when he turns the ball over that they can't do anything. And I think that's what we've seen through two weeks. Do you think, so you originally had the Colts at 11 and six with their record that change right now. they obviously go, Oh, and they go, Oh, one and one to start the first two weeks. They have the chiefs this week, uh, then Tennessee, Denver, um, is it I think it has to change. Six? No, I think it has to change. I think you have like I, I, I would be just being stubborn if I was like, you know, they're still going to go eleven and six when you talk about, or in this case, ten five and one, or eleven five and one, or whatever it is, um, because it was the Houston Texans and the Jaguars, and I know those are division games, and I know they were both on the road, but that's the Houston Texans and the Jaguars, and then you're going to go play teams like the Chiefs and the Broncos, and uh, I mean, if you're Eagles, struggling the Eagles with those, on this list too. Yeah, if you go to struggle with those teams, you're going to struggle with teams like Tennessee. You're going to struggle with teams like probably Jacksonville again and Washington and the New England. Like none of those wins that we were like, yep, that's a win. That's a win. Now I look at those games and I'm like, well, should be a win. Maybe because you couldn't even you couldn't even handle business against the Texans and the Jaguars and not not again. Those games could have been close. And if the Colts would have won, we'd be having a different conversation because then the conversation is you went on the road against a division opponent early in the season. You didn't play well, but you found a way to win. This is like you did all those, but you found a way to get blown out and tie. Like you didn't even 11 and six is probably not um, going to happen at this point.
Uh, and like well, I, I said, guarantee it's, it's not going to happen because they already tied, so it can't. Well, yeah, yeah. But you, like you said, you'd be stubborn if you didn't put them, like if you didn't drop a little bit on where where you had them because they obviously have failed to live up to expectations at least early on in the season. We'll see if they can turn it around. Uh, the rest of your 17 through 24, you have the New York Giants jumping up a little bit. Four spots for the undefeated New York Giants. Five spots for the one-and-one Detroit Lions. Five spots for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look at these bad teams slowly creeping up. I should I can't even say slowly. Five spots, five spots, four spots. They're creeping up fast, man. This is I told I was talking to you about this the other day, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump in here. That this is the NFL. We are seeing more of the good t- the the good teams like the Raiders, the Colts, the Titans, the pay the all these playoff type teams not really like perform well and like blow you away. It's all these bad teams that are, have been notably bad, like the Jags, the lions, the giants coming out of nowhere and playing good enough football to be competitive in games and also win games. Cause both those teams, all those teams, one and one, two and oh. And I mean, they've got better records than some of the big dogs, like the Raiders, the Colts, like the I talked about it in week one, like these bad teams are no longer just easy wins. Like most of these bad teams are just going to grind it out. Even when we talked about the Falcons, they're at 30 now because they are 31 now because they've been grinding it out. Like it's, it's good to see this league have these teams come out of nowhere, come, come out of their shell basically and uh, make it hard for everybody else around them. Um, So shout out the Jags, shout out the lions and shout out the giants. I do want to point out, this is not like, I know we're excited and I know you're excited because the Jaguars are on this list. Um, and I, I know that gets well, you. Yeah, I'm glad you you included the Jaguars in the 32 teams of the league. I'm glad you didn't add yeah. a college football team instead of the Jags. Yeah, but this is not new. Every single year, there are six, five, six teams that make the playoffs that the following year don't make the playoffs. And then every year there's five or six teams that don't make the playoffs make the playoffs. This is something that's been going on in the NFL for a really long time. The NFL has had this kind of parody in the NFL because of the draft capital free agency and your ability as an organization to get talent and create enough like culture change to, to turn around pretty quickly. We've watched the Niners go from the number four overall pick to a Super Bowl contender. We've watched uh, a lot of these teams do that. So this is not new. This is where we start to look. Who are those teams this year? Is it the is it the Jaguars? Is it the Lions? Is it the Giants? Um, and, and are those Titans, Patriots, Steelers, now that are ranked in the 20s for me, are those some of the teams that were in the playoffs last year that are not this year? Because there's like most likely there's going to be at least five or six teams in the NFL that were in the playoffs last year that are not in the playoffs this year, and vice versa, the ones that weren't are in. So Yes, we're, we usually at first give credit where credit is due from the season before, but we understand that as this season plays on, there will be teams that was not in the playoffs last year that will be there this year. And now it's about trying to, when I rank, identify some of those teams. And I think as you'll see, as we move forward in these power rankings, some of those teams are identified clearly by where we have them in our rankings. Yep, yep. So that was 17 through 24. One more time here again. Giants, Lions, Jags, big movers, Colts, Commanders, or Colts and Steelers, big fallers. Nine through 16, now we're really getting into it. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. Chargers fall three spots. Rams fall two spots. Uh, We have the Vikings falling four spots. Your Cowboys, Cooper Rush, bumping them up two spots. What a world. What a world where the Cowboys and Cooper Rush are being bumped up two spots um i know you got a lot of heat last week for the broncos uh staying put after the loss or the yeah the loss to seattle now they win against houston and they drop uh can you just can we can you reiterate where you stand on just because a team wins doesn't mean that they're going to like fall or 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 rise or, or or whatever well yeah because you have to you also have to take into account the other teams that are around them so uh, the Broncos won a game. It was an ugly game against Houston and they won. That's fine. That's great. Now they're one and one. That's, that's a great win, but that doesn't mean that they were as impressive as some of those other teams that moved up. I thought um, the Cincinnati Bengals are the defending AFC champ. The Dallas win to me over the Cincinnati Bengals without their starting quarterback was a more impressive win than the Denver Broncos beating a Houston Texas team that we don't think is very good in, in general. And so 
if Dallas goes up two spots and then Philly has the, as, as another good week and goes up a lot and Minnesota or whoever else, the Denver might not be able to move up because they won. They actually might move down because more of those teams have uh, moved past them. So uh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you, it's how you look. And I'm looking at things that probably most people are not. I'm not just looking at box scores. I'm looking at how I think it's going to translate throughout the season. And I think that's what's important. Um, I do project if you asked me this question last night about the Dallas Cowboys, why they're at 16 when they have Cooper Rush and, you know, we're not sure he's going to be able to win anymore. Maybe he doesn't win another game. But getting a win with a backup quarterback in a time when you lose your quarterback for maybe four to five weeks and you don't think you're going to win a game like that, that's impressive. And now you're projecting, okay, Dak Prescott back. Now they're saying maybe week four, but I doubt it. Week five, six, that's a win that they didn't account for. And so the hope is, okay, if you can tread water until your starting quarterback comes back and your defense continues to play at an elite level, which Dallas's defense has been playing, then you now look at that team again. You're like, oh, that's the team we had ranked 12 through 16 to start the season. Like, So I think that's I, – I try to project out as much as I, t- I take it week by week, and that's kind of where it played out. I, I am okay with Denver. I think they're struggling right now, but I think that Denver is also going through an adjustment period with the new coach and a new quarterback. And so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that Russell Wilson will get it right, that Nathaniel Hackett will learn from his mistakes. And uh, through two weeks, he has not. He's had poor game management for two weeks now, but – um, he is a you know new head coach, and sometimes head coaches take time to get that stuff right. I think Russell Wilson is good enough to carry them, um, you know, keep them afloat. Again, not go crazy, but keep them afloat until they maybe can hit their stride. So um, we'll we'll evaluate the game this week, and we'll go from there. But yes, just because you win doesn't mean you move up, and just because you lose doesn't mean you move down. Yeah, and we see the Bengals, they're 0-2 right now, staying put at 13. This That probably is the one, and you and I had a – a lengthy discussion last night about these power rankings and specifically right around that 11 through 14 range between the Niners at 11 Broncos at 12 Bengals at 13 and Vikings at 14. Um, I am lower on the Bengals than you are. So sell me on why the Bengals should at least be stay. I know like it's, it's a weird question, but sell me on why the Bengals are staying put because again, Owen to, Losing to to Pittsburgh, who you had dropped drastically, your biggest faller in this year in this week's power rankings. Losing to them week one, and then losing to a Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys team, and yet they stay at thirteen. Defend yourself. Yeah, I'm not going to defend the Cincinnati Bengals because you know how I feel about the Bengals. I did say that I thought they were a one year wonder, and I didn't think they would be able to repeat last year's performance. With that being said. I do believe they're a good football team. I think their biggest weakness, obviously, is that offensive line. But when I look at the first two weeks and why I did not move them is because I look at the things, again, I project out what I think they can do. And when you look at the first two weeks, defensively, they played well against Pittsburgh. Defensively, outside the first two drives of the Dallas Cowboys game where they gave up the 14 points, they only gave up six points the rest of the game. The defense has played extremely well. And for that I look, okay, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals fan or I'm the Cincinnati Bengals organization, I'm like, if the worst thing on our team right now through two weeks is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and that offense, I know that they will get things going. I know that offense can be explosive. I've seen it before. I I have faith in that they will fix their issues. Maybe not the offensive line, but despite a bad offensive line last year, their offense was still really good. So I think they, they could get to that point. And I, I think once they do that, those games that they're losing 20 to 17, they're now winning 24 to 20, like, or 24, 17. So um, it's really just about me projecting their offense out. Their defense has played, honestly, the way their defense needs to play. Their defense so, has played fine. So let's make the comparison now. And then let's, let's bring our argument off the show into real life here. I did think the Minnesota Vikings should have been over the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you see from the Vikings this week that really made you pump the brakes on them and drop them four spots behind track a record, team that has two losses? Track record of, of consist, consistent play on one side of the football. We know the Vikings offense can be good. We, we know their offense is going to be good. I've said their offense is good. Kevin O'Connell or, you know, Zimmer, the guy they had before, their offense has always been good. The questions about Minnesota this year were their defense, and they had a really good defensive game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who played exactly the same this year as they did last year. So I'm going to be honest. That first game of Minnesota's defense, 
I did not attribute that to Minnesota's defense. I attributed that to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers doing exactly what they did last year, which was being rusty. Aaron Rodgers didn't play in the preseason. He had no connection with any of his guys. And they just lost game one, as they did last year. Week two, they got destroyed by Philadelphia. And I don't mean, like, Philadelphia did whatever they wanted, and that's the defense that I was worried about. That's the defense that stood out to me last year that tells me they are not ready to make a serious run, that they are just that offensive explosive team, Chargers-esque of last year, that didn't make the playoffs the same way Minnesota didn't make the playoffs last year. So I need to see consistency from a the side of the football that I had the most questions about. I still have those questions. If the Minnesota offense had played like crap and they lost the game, but the defense played good, we would be having the same conversation about Minnesota that we're having about the Bengals. Because I know the Bengals offense is going to get right. Too much talent. I don't know that Minnesota's defense is going to get right. I, I've said it all year. I think they're going to struggle this year. I think people are overrating them. And then I watched the Philly game, and I'm like, they couldn't stop anything. Anything. Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Quez Watkins, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they, Dallas Goddard. They did whatever they wanted to do on that football field. And if it wasn't for a, a block kick on special teams and a, a really a, a tipped – interception on a screen that Jalen Hurts threw, they Minnesota would have lost 45. Like if, if Philly wanted to keep scoring, they could have. They literally just ran out the clock in the second half. And that's what um, that's what concerns me about Minnesota. But I give them props. Like I'm not – I still think Minnesota's a good football team, and I do think they can scare some teams this year. If that defense is adequate, they don't have to be great. They just have to be good enough. So um, I'm looking for that to be more consistent before I give them the credit to, to jump a team that really just – you know, went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the Raiders are the team behind them at 15 here. Uh, obviously, the loss to the Arizona Cardinals, it was a close one, but they ended up losing. Uh, this is the last, this, this was the, yesterday you told me that this was the hardest part to, to, to rank. This nine through 16 area, what was the hardest team, was, what was the hardest team to rank here? It was the Raiders. The hardest team was the Raiders, and it's because they're 0-2. And you know, you'd hate to put 0-2 teams high, but I did take into consideration the opponents. I thought, despite Arizona being what we think Arizona's inconsistent, that's probably one of the tougher teams of the back half of the NFL because of their quarterback, right? Can win any game, can change the dynamic of a play of a game. And then you lose to a Chargers team who we have ranked in the top 10. It's so they have two tough losses. And one of those losses was a bad comeback that they gave up. No excuse for it. Bad coaching in that situation. And it, but it happens. But I mean, we're going to talk about the Ravens later who gave up a, a big lead. It happens. You play one bad quarter of football. And now you're like, oh, man, we're 0-2. Something about the Raiders, the way they've been playing defense, which is significantly better than last year. You watch the defense against the Chargers, so much better. When you watch the defense against the Cardinals again for three and a half quarters, and it was so good. That's the part of the team so, I needed to see improvement from. And then the offense, I have faith in because I have faith in Devontae Adams and Waller and Jacobs and Carr. And I, I think that they will automatically continue to be good. Um, so I was okay with kind of leaving them in the middle there. This is where what, I have what? the problem. What? I have the problem. This is where it comes up. You know, the what? Bengals, two spots higher. They have yes. no wins. They're 0-2. Yeah, so as well Raiders. as... Uh, that's what I'm saying, as well as the Raiders, but the Bengals have two bad losses and the Raiders have at least two that's the problem. losses. That's the problem is you, when you say bad losses, I don't agree with you. Um, for, for you to say a bad loss, a division opponent against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's not a bad loss. It looked ugly because the Steelers defense is dominant, but the Steelers defense is dominant. That's what they are. And that's a division opponent who – let's be honest, have owned the Cincinnati Bengals since the existence of the NFL. So to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the Bengals is not a bad loss. That is a division loss that happens all the time, like good or bad. It's like when the Washington beats Dallas when they're really good or Dallas beats Washington. That happens all the time. The Dallas loss, you keep pointing to Cooper Rush. And, and like, oh, well, you lost to Cooper Rush, but the defense did everything they could to really win that game. They gave up 20 points, really 17 points until the end. The offense got nothing going. And this is when I say I have more faith in the Bengals off and losses. The, both, the Dallas Cowboys were in our top 10 to start the season. Yes, they lost their quarterback. But why was Dallas in our top 10? It, 
and I'm not taking a shot at Dak Prescott here. It wasn't really because of Dak Prescott in that offense. They were in the top 10 because we truly believed in that defense that, that improved so much last year. And now through two weeks, they gave up one touchdown to Tampa Bay and a bunch of field goals with no offensive production. Then they go play a Bengals offense that's arguably one of the best in football minus an offensive line. And not only – I get they dominated defensively up front, but Jamar Chase 5 for 50. Joe Burrow did nothing. Uh, the receiving game wasn't there. They held Joe Mixon. They shut down those weapons that were so explosive. And I think that's – again, to me, when I project out, I'm okay with saying Cincinnati lost two games to two teams that are in the middle of the pack or maybe the Pittsburgh below the middle of the pack, but I know that offense can get right. The Raiders, they've been inconsistent. They I, lost I, to an Arizona team, which is ranked just about where Pittsburgh is ranked. Arizona's not good. Arizona's what, 20, 19, 20 on our list? I think I, I think you have, let's let's take a look back. You have Arizona at 17, Steelers at 24. But then also you have the Cowboys at 16. So like the worst, the worst loss for the Raiders is that come from behind victory from the Cardinals who rank higher than the worst loss for the, the Bengals and right about just right behind the set, the other loss for the bit. Like to me, I could argue that the Pittsburgh Steelers are better than the Arizona Cardinals. I could argue that. I think, I think if I, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it, well, I think that would be a toss up game. Like if it's in Pittsburgh, give me the Steelers. If it's an Arizona, but that's what I mean. Like the, the difference between those two teams are not that much. I, I will say, Arizona was without James Conner, without DeAndre Hopkins. And, and, and the Bengals didn't get blown out by anybody. Right? The Bengals didn't the Bengals didn't give up a huge lead. The Bengals actually came back in both of those games in the second half after playing poor first half and gave themselves multiple chances to win. And are you having this conversation if the if the long snapper for the Cincinnati Bengals didn't go out of that game? No, because then they'd be one and one. They would have beat Pittsburgh. Those snaps wouldn't have been at over the head of the field goal kicker because they actually came back and put themselves in position to win that. A lot of people you watch that game would say the Bengals should have won that game. They had three chances at the end of the game to kick field goals to win. And they I, I, I was, one of the best kickers and it didn't work for, for me. I think, I think I have more of a college football uh, power rankings type of thing where I do look at, the the losses and that and I, I guess we just have different views of how the uh, of how the losses came uh, for the Bengals. But either way, I don't have a problem. I, I understand where you're coming from at, at when you said last night that this was the hardest section of the power rankings to rank because it could go either way. It really just depends on how you view said losses and said wins from these teams. Uh, but either way, the Bengals they put at 13. The Vikings <laughs> like, move down can, four. Can, can I point something out? Sure. And this is this has nothing really to do with anybody. I do think it's funny. Um, Bailey says the Cincinnati lost to Cooper Rush. Well, I, and I know no teams are the same, but you know, Minnesota lost to Cooper Rush last year. And they have basically the same exact team as last year. I mean, it's not like they've added a whole bunch of people. They've added a coach. They got the exact same team, and that's the same team that lost to Cooper Rush last year. I don't Co- the coach is kind of a big deal. Is it? Because they look like the same football team to me. Uh, I think I think yeah. I'm not saying a coach is not a big deal. I'm just saying it's the same exact al- football team. You're also the person who said wipe out. You don't give a shit about what happened last year. So a- absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, when we, you you can't change the con- can't change the narrative. We are talking two different things here. We have had only had two weeks in the season. If you want me to make my power ranks based on two weeks in the season, then the Giants have to be up higher. The two and O teams have to be higher than any one and one team. If we're only basing it on this season, every team that's looked like crap, Green Bay can't be where they're at. Um, like the Chargers can't be where they're at. Like that's that's why I don't do power rankings that way. Is because every week you get more information for this year. But when you're in week one, two, three, you don't have that much information for this year. You just have who they've been playing so far. And I, I don't. I think that's a. It's not a true, accurate assessment of what a team really is. You have to account for the talent that they came into the season with what they did last season, at least in the early part of of the season, when you talk about power rankings, otherwise giants move up. um, Jaguars move up. Raiders move down. Bengals move down. Giants. That's and that's what I mean. Most people you look at their power rankings, it's always like all the two and O teams. Then the one and one teams are kind of intermixed. And then the O and two teams, like that's not to me, that's not power rankings because that's not an accurate assessment of how good these teams actually are. 
The Giants are 2-0, and but they played the Titans and Panthers. I'm sorry, they're not better than the Raiders. I'm sorry, they're not better than the Bengals. I'm sorry, they're not better than the Vikings or the Cowboys. I'm not going to put them ahead of those teams just because they've won the two easy opponents that they've had to play. Let's go into your top eight now. The Steelers, or not the Steelers, the Saints moving down three spots. We've got your biggest riser in the Philadelphia Eagles hopping up seven spots from 14 to seven now. The Packers move up three spots. The Bucks move down. And there it is. The Miami Dolphins now in the top four after beating the Baltimore Ravens, who you actually have ahead of them at three. The Ravens at three, Dolphins at four. And then the top stays the same. The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, no surprise there. Um, but let's start at the back half of this top eight with the Philadelphia Eagles moving up seven spots to number seven in our power rankings. What have you seen from the Eagles and what have you loved so much that has put them so high uh, on your power rankings? Yeah, offensively, they're just going to be hard to stop. The running game is elite. Um, when you have a quarterback that's as electric as Jalen Hurts, he doesn't have to be excellent. I talked about the accuracy concerns. If he just improves on that, I'm, I'm not asking for 70 to 75% completion, but if he's 66, 67, that offense is going to be so hard to stop because they have a ton of weapons and he's electric himself. Offensively, they are up there with some of the best in the NFL. This really comes down to their defense. I told you I didn't believe in them, I, that I needed to see it. They have the talent. The names are great. I told you, I, I thought the talent they added was great, but I needed to see it come together. Um, what they were able to do against Minnesota, and I know it was a home game, and it was Monday Night Football, and Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. So there's still that tick in my, in my mind, like maybe this is still fluky. Let's watch. They gave up a lot to Detroit, but they came back and they bounced back, and I was impressed. Uh, defensively. Darius Slay is an absolute lockdown corner. Uh, he shut down one of the best receivers in football in Justin Jefferson. And I, I liked that. I liked the defense which in which they played. And that gives me hope and excitement for the Philadelphia Eagles that if they can continue and you um, arguably one of the top teams in the NFC. If right now, when you look at the NFC, it's hard to, to say, but I would argue that Philadelphia is the, the second best team in the NFC, third best team in the NFC. And I don't think you could argue that. I don't think, I mean, I don't think you could argue against it. Maybe you take the Packers because of, again, the experience, Aaron Rodgers, and you know what he's capable of. Um, I'm a big fan of the Saints. I think throughout the season, they might struggle, go up and down. But I think the Saints, when it comes down to it, are one of the more solid, you know what you're getting football teams. And then after that, the Bucks haven't played that well. The Rams have been bleh. Um, I could argue that Philadelphia is right there and it, you know, it reflects, I have them third, uh, but I give the respect to obviously Brady and Rogers uh, ahead of him, but, but Philly, Philly's, Philly's looking good. I, I, I can't wait to see them play some more explosive offenses and see how they play defensively to see if I can maintain that excitement for them. But right now I'm excited for them. Yeah. The Eagles have been a team that I've, 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 I was higher on in the, in the preseason. I had them at 11 and six. Uh, to start the season, you talk about the teams that they're going to be facing next, and you're excited to watch. Definitely excited to watch that Arizona game. Uh, definitely excited to watch them play Green Bay. De uh, oh, you just go, you're just going to skip over Dallas? You're just going to skip oh, over I guess Dallas? That is I am scooping, skipping over uh, Cooper Rush, Dallas Cowboys, because no matter no, no, how, no, much, no, no. Dak how much you want to pump the then. tires of Cooper Rush and saying that this is a team that was a good loss for the uh, Bengals, I don't think it was, because I don't think that a Cooper Rush-led offense is that good. So I'm not Cooper excited. Rush is to see, I'm not excited. Don't, I don't care. I, I'm not excited to see... Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe it'll be a good, I, I'm excited for, I'm a, I, I guess you're, you may be right. I am excited to see Jalen Hurts and that offense get matched up against that defense. I could give, I couldn't give a shit about that defense. that is the Eagles facing the Dallas Cowboys offense. I really couldn't, I, I couldn't care less. Um, well, you, well, can I ask you a question? If Dallas yes. puts up 30 points, you don't care with Cooper. If they Rush? do, of course I care. That's so a big deal. So that's my point. That's a but division they game. They, they but didn't. no, but what I'm saying is like, when you look at those games, like against Jacksonville, um, we saw this with Detroit. The, every game that there's talent on the field, I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles defense because if they, 
have this great game against Minnesota and shut them out defensively, but then they go play Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence and then put up 28 points and the Philly can't stop them. You damn right. I'm interested. You damn right I'm interested because yes. that's the, that's but, the but only that's, thing. You say you're excited about Jalen Hurts, but why? We know what we're going to get from Philly's offense. That's not the that's not what I, making is making. I don't you know. I don't know seven. what at this at this at, through two weeks of the football season. I'm I don't know what I'm going to get from from Jalen Hurts in that offense against a good defense. I'm I don't what? know. They've played they've played Minnesota, whose defense we've we've been harsh on all season all off season long, and they played Detroit, another defense that we've been harsh on all season long. It's not I just this season. See, Last season their offense was playing well at the end of the season. But again, Push aside what what happened last season. This is a new offense. This no, is a it's new not. Offense. It's the same AJ offense. Brown, this is a new offense. Jalen Hurts in another year. I'm not saying it's a good, it's a bad offense, but I, but I have yet to see them play a good defense. And again, they've been they've beaten up on bad defenses. You're I am excited. Is what I'm saying because I'm what? you're you're making you say they're 11 and six. You picked them at 11 yeah, and six. I did. So what did you base that on? You base it on a good offense. A so good when offense you say I need to see both. But so what I'm saying is when you say I need to see it, like you I have already say I need to see it. I didn't say I need to see it. I said you the original conversation here was the teams that were excited to see the Philadelphia Eagles play. And that's where I said I'm not excited. And then you went down and you said, and you said Arizona because of the defense. You weren't talking about their offense, and then you I switched didn't... it all around. Yes, no, you said Arizona. No. Yes, I said Arizona did. because I'm excited to see Kyler Murray in that offense go against them. Against their defense is what I'm saying. You, the original conversation started about Philly's defense, and then you changed it to you're excited about Jalen Hurts and that offense going against teams. That wasn't well, the conversation. I'm, I'm allowed to be excited about everything for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles this season. That's why they are at number seven on your list. <laughs> Number four, though, on your list is the Miami Dolphins. They moved up yes. three spots from what the Philadelphia Eagles were at seven last week. Uh, they were at seven. The Miami Dolphins now move up to four. They move up those three spots. There's two questions I got to ask. I'm going to start by giving the Miami Dolphins their credit because they have been good. They beat the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the New England Patriots. They're 2-0. and They're looking good. Aaron, how good did it feel to put Miami at number four? It felt good. It feels validating because as as despite Aaron – Mukes, the Mukes side, not picking Miami to make the playoffs um, because I thought the AFC West was going to be a little bit better. Um, I said that this was the team that could shock everybody. Like this was the team that could be explosive. One of the best offenses in football. They were going to be that. They were my sleeper team to basically make the playoffs and make a deep playoff run if there was. going to be any and through two weeks now i'm convinced that this team is a playoff team at least um this team can match up with any team in the nfl and i am saying this any team in the nfl including the buffalo bills who they play this week i'm not saying they're better than buffalo um but they have the explosiveness to score with any of those teams and they do have a defense despite giving up 38 points to baltimore who's also an explosive offense uh, they do have a defense that is, has playmakers and Xavier howard and byron jones and um Javon Holland and and like they have playmakers on the back end that can cover. And I think that's important when it comes to the playoffs. So I'm excited for them. I'm excited. I think this is one of the funnest teams to watch. Uh, Mike McDaniel is doing a hell of a job as a first year coach. I think at the end they will fall short because of some inexperience coaching, playing, whatever that is, but they're, they're a problem. And if you're, you're a team, you do not want to play the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, this is, and this week's going to be a huge Huge test. I see Bailey in the comment uh, asking if they're a real threat for the AFC East title. I think we, if we, we see this week is the real t- is a big telling sign. I mean, this week, this week and this season, maybe as a whole might be exactly what we saw last season where new England and Buffalo were back and forth. And it came down to like a late matchup at the end of the season. That was like, okay, whoever wins, this is going to win. Uh, the AFC East and that might be how it is this year but with the Miami Dolphins taking the spot of the Baltimore Ravens who or Miami Dolphins taking the spot for the New England Patriots the Baltimore Ravens though did move up or did stay put at three even though they lost to the Miami Dolphins now who are right behind them at number four what went into your thought process in putting the Baltimore Ravens still ahead of the Dolphins who just beat them? 
Yeah, this is, uh, again, this is a respect thing of how high I had Baltimore to start the season. I told everybody that I thought Baltimore was the second best team in football to start the year, I believe. Um, I had them at number two. I know our original power rankings put Rams and Bills and Tampa and all that, but I had Bills, Ravens um, in that order because I thought the Ravens were that good of a football team, and I still do. Look, I know they lost to Miami, and people are, well, they hit of Miami, and they lost to Miami. Well, if you want to go do that, then we need to go fix every power ranking. A team that beat a team has to be below them. Um, they were down 35-20. They were up 35-14 to uh, to 14 in this game. And Miami had a good stretch in the second half, mainly the fourth quarter, and, you know, Baltimore blew it. They blew it. It happens. It's the NFL. They had a bad, a bad second half, but for three quarters of that game, Lamar Jackson was dominant. That Baltimore Ravens defense was dominant. It was good. Um, and they had, a, they had a, again, a, they kind of let up a little bit and they let Miami come back. It happens in the NFL. Should it happen? Should good teams allow that? No. But when good teams play other good teams, you can't let up. And that, that's a learning lesson for that Baltimore Ravens defense and, and a team that runs the ball really well. And let me not even, Baltimore has not even ran the ball well. I know Lamar Jackson has ran the ball well. But they don't have J.K. Dobbins. They don't have Gus Edwards. And this team is built on that run game. It's been Kenyon Drake and, and Mike Davis, and they haven't done anything. And to be and to be completely honest, I mean, like th- this this week, yes, this week the, the the Ravens ran well. They Lamar Jackson ran well against the Miami Dolphins. But in that week one, they had the, their lowest rushing total as a team in the Lamar Jackson era against the New York Jets. So, like to your point, that's it's the the we haven't even seen the full potential, the full uh, Baltimore Ravens rushing attack yet. And that uh, we hope uh, will come out through the rest of the season. And I, I think that you're, you might be in agreeing. Uh, you might agree with me on this. If, if Miami beats, if Miami beats Buffalo this week, there is no chance that Baltimore stays put at three and they will jump up to the Dolphins would jump the Ravens like that. I feel like that has to be a thing. Um, yeah. Well, no, no well two what. things. Two things. Uh, Baltimore didn't run well in this game either. I, I want to make it very clear. Like, I know Lamar Jackson ran the ball for 119 yards. One of those was 80-yard touchdown run. Like, you take that 80-yard touchdown run away, their running backs did nothing. Justice Hill, three for 16. Kenyon Drake, six for eight. Mike Davis, five for four yards. Zero production from a running back committee that we Mike have Davis. talked about as being arguably the best running back, the best running team in the NFL. And I'm sorry, J.K. Dobbins comes back, that improves. Uh, Gus Edwards comes back eventually, that improves. So there are, there are positive signs for the Baltimore Ravens outside of one bad quarter of football. And to your point, uh, if the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills this week, you're, you're starting to have different conversations about Miami. And, you know, again, you have to take into consideration how they win, what, what the circumstances are, all that stuff. It's a home game. It would not shock me if the Buffalo goes down to Miami and doesn't win this game. But Buffalo's not losing many games. So the highest I will tell you Miami is going to get this week is three. The highest Miami is going to get probably for the next four to five weeks is three. Because I don't care if Buffalo loses. Buffalo could lose Sunday, and I'm going to tell you Buffalo's the best team in football. And on next week, they could lose again, and I tell you Buffalo's the best team in football. Same thing I did last year with Kansas City, and I told everybody I don't panic. I don't worry about stretches where teams not don't play well. I watched the Buffalo Bills play at their best, healthy and at their best, and there is not a team in the NFL right now from a talent perspective, from a schematic perspective, that can beat the Buffalo Bills. The only team that will do it would be the Kansas City Chiefs, and it would be a totally a matchup-based thing because they have their number, they know how to play them, and they're in their head, and that's it. And once Buffalo overcomes them, there is no stopping them because Buffalo is the best team in football. Yeah, no, I, I that's, that's that's fair. I uh, barring maybe barring a major injury that well, that I mean, change. you tell me Josh Allen gets hurt. I'm yeah, that that may change up the story. Yeah. Um, but let's just kind of review your power rankings here, starting off with one through eight. The Bills still take the number one spot, uh, leading the way. The Chiefs and uh, the Chiefs and the Bills basically locking down that one and two spot, rightfully so. Uh, Eagles are your biggest mover, biggest riser, moving up seven spots. Number seven, Dolphins move up to three. Bengals staying put at 13 was a big headline. Uh, the Rams 
slowly falling out of the top 10. They do stay at number 10. We'll see how that goes. Cooper Rush leads the Cowboys to 16, moving up two spots. The Colts, one of the biggest fallers at moving down six spots to 22. The Steelers, our biggest faller at uh, 24, falling seven spots. And the Bears and the Falcons, still the two worst teams in football, but they switched it up. The Bears are now 32. And hey, there's the Tennessee Titans at 27. You're fallen, Titans. You're fallen. You better catch up before you move down to where the I. Tennessee loses this week. Tennessee looks bad this week. Put the Falcons over them. That's what I, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. But but <laughs> I guess we'll wait. I guess I guess we'll wait to find out next week when you have our uh, the week four power rankings. But that does it for our power rankings. Let's move on to our Thursday night preview between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is a uh, four and a half point favorite over the Browns at home with an over under of just thirty eight points in this game. That's gross. That's gross. It's absolutely Cleveland, disgusting. The Cleveland is a four and a half point favorite over the Browns. That would be amazing. If they, if Cleveland could beat the Browns by four and a half points, well, that would well, be they amazing. Did, they did that last week. Cleveland beat themselves <laughs> last week. So that's why, that's why I said, well, not really wise, but four and a half point favorites over the Steelers over under 38 points, just 38 points in this game. I believe that's the lowest over under uh, this week. Uh, between two teams that yeah it is the lowest over under uh this week it's not going to be pretty it's going to be a dog fight in the dog pound between the Steelers and the Browns Aaron what are you looking forward to most in this game this is so weird I'll be honest um I initially thought okay now I'm looking at that spread I'm like that's a pretty big spread for this game um can the Steelers stop the run effectively like they did against Joe Mixon week one. I think that's important. I think once the Steelers stop the run, then they can get the, the, that pass rush and that blitz defense get to them. Um, obviously, you worry about the pass rush because of a TJ Watt. I think they missed him last week against the New England Patriots. But I don't see the explosiveness from the Cleveland Browns on the outside, especially from a Jacoby Brissett-led passing attack that is really scaring me as if I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler. So, I think he'll be able to, I think they'll be able to, to create some opportunities defensively to let allow their offense to, um, to kind of at least dictate some of the tempo, hopefully Mitch Trubisky and them will let it fly a little bit more, uh, but they need to be able to block up miles Garrett, no Jadavian Clowney um, in this game, I don't believe. So that's, that's going to help. Um, this is a, this is an inch. This is a weird game, man. Cause I was like, I'm sold on the Steelers one week. Then I'm like, ugh, they lost to Mac Jones and the Patriots in the I, game at home. They should have won. But this week, I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm back on Pittsburgh. Like, I don't I don't think Cleveland's gonna beat Pittsburgh. I I I think I am I I, I think I am Switzerland at this point. I, I am I am right, I am on the fence. when I get when I get my score prediction and everything, it's gonna be that's gonna be the final straw. But I am on the fence between both these teams. I think I think what it comes down to, and you brought it up. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing here is the Steelers' ability to stop the rushing attack. We've seen what Nick Chubb has been able to do uh, in the first two weeks. He's been absolutely dominant uh, through the first two weeks. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have been known to not be able to stop the rush. They were one of the worst rushing attack defenses um, last season. And this season, they have not been much better. And Nick Chubb has been an absolute, no pun intended, dog last year when Nick Chubb played the Steelers though it seemed like they had the answer and which was weird because you look at this against everybody else the Steelers were poopy against the rush and this but against Nick Chubb and the Browns they were much better but this might be a different Nick Chubb this season as opposed to last season and it's it's going that's what it's going to come down to I think is if they can stop Nick Chubb the Steelers get this win if they don't Nick Chubb is going to run all over them and Again, you brought up T.J. Watt. The Steelers have yet to win a game without T.J. Watt in the lineup since he was drafted. Um, will it be this week? I don't know. How much do you think? Uh, how much do you think Mitch Trubisky is a factor in this game? Do you, do you need? Do you think the Steelers? Do you think the Steelers need to let it fly with Mitch Trubisky? They do because right now the Steelers' offense thirtieth in the NFL in yards per play with just four point three. Like, do they need to let Mitch Trubisky let it let it fly? Like, let it ride. I don't know that they haven't. I think it's more about his, the way he plays. Uh, he's th- he, he threw the ball almost 40 times last week, and but only for 194 yards. Like, 
it's, it's just not a push the ball down the field style offense. And you would think with the Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson that you could get some deep shots. Uh, maybe you try that this week on the road on a Thursday night. You try to come out and push the ball down the field a little bit and get that offense moving. Um, but again, you have to have success on the ground. It starts on the ground because it starts to create opportunities to go deep. When you're not running the ball well, defenses aren't scared. So they can just sit back in that too high and say, okay, try to run the football. We can stop you with our front seven, and we don't have to do anything. I think if they can get Najee Harris going, forces the safety to come down to the box. Now you have single high. Now you can send those guys up the seams, send somebody up on the outside, and you can take those deep shots. And I think they have players on the outside that can make those deep shots reap benefits. So um, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm letting it loose on offense. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Let's throw caution to the wind. Let's see what Mitch Trubisky can do. Because if not, if – in theory, if Mitch Trubisky is only going to be there to be, and I, I know he's not electric or he's not going to be some franchise quarterback, but if he's only going to be this game manager of a quarterback, then why not just move to Kenny Pickett? You know what I mean? Because I think Kenny Pickett is already kind of that game manager quarterback, but let's see if he can be that electrifying future stud. So that's my my always my thought process. If you have a team that is built on winning with a game manager, so be it. Pittsburgh does have kind of that team, but – they don't have enough offensively to get like weapons, the ball to create explosive plays. They don't have a Tyree kill. They don't have a running back like uh, DeAndre Swift. Like you give Najee the ball 25 times. Sure. He can get you 89 yards, fall into the end zone, but he's not going for 180 yards on 15 touches. Like that's not his game. So uh, I think they need explosive explosiveness. And I think if they're just going to game manage, they're going to always be in games that are 17, 14, 16, 13, 20 to 17, and they're going to kind of be like this. They're going to lose some, they're going to win some. They're going to lose some, they're going to win some. And right now without T.J. Watt, there's nobody on that defense outside of Minka Fitzpatrick that's a playmaker like like Watt. So, um, yeah, I, I say why not? Let it loose with Mitchell Trubisky, see what he's got, and if, if he's going to just be stuck as that game manager, maybe it is time to move to Kitty Pickett. We got to see we got to see Malik Willis for the first time this past week. That's the I think that's what the Tennessee Titans should be doing. That's that's kind of what. Well, the Tennessee I, Titans I, should be doing that because I'm I'm sorry. Despite the um, inability still to score on Buffalo, did you watch him when he's in the game? Like it's a little more exciting. It's just it's just you know he's able to move and run and he fumbled and you know there's some throws he wants back. But that, again, first action against the Buffalo Bills is going to be tough. Um, I am dead sold that Malik Willis should be starting for the Tennessee Titans over Ryan Tannehill. You get no argument from here. Let me let, let me see if we can do some let, let play a game here before we get into our our uh, our, our our bets here, or our uh, predictions here. Uh, Nick Chubb stat line for this game. What do you think it's going to be? Nineteen carries for eighty-seven yards and a touchdown. Mm, okay, Amari Cooper. Yeah. Um, six, five, four, 67. And last but not least, Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt will have eight carries, um, like 45 yards, three catches, three or four catches for 30 something yards. All right. Let's no, the 30, that's too many yards. Like, 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 like thirty yards. Yeah. Uh-uh. All right. Let's get into the predictions then. Who you got? I'm going to take the Steelers in this one um, on the road. I think Mike Tom is one of the best coaches at making adjustments and knowing his team and knowing what he wants to do. It's a low-scoring game again. They. It's been twenty. So I'm just going to keep talking because I know you're not hearing me. Okay. Now I'm unfrozen. So it was twenty to seventeen, seventeen fourteen. And I think now it's another low-scoring game. I'm going to say 16-13 Pittsburgh. Give me, give me the Brownies here. 17-14 Brownies. Kevin Stefanski, 11-3 following a loss in his career with the Browns. Not that that matters too, too much. I know you love laughing at those stats. Um, but I think he makes it 12-3. and uh, I just... I don't know. I just see I see a different Browns team this week. I do I do like Nick Chubb. I think they're still hurt. The Steelers are still hurting without uh, TJ Watt, and they go to 0 and 7 without TJ Watt. Stefanski goes 11, 12 and 3 
following a loss. Browns 17 to 14. That's our Thursday night football predictions. Uh, tomorrow, a little fun times for tomorrow. We're going to be having a DFS challenge uh, for the Thursday night football game between myself and Aaron. And maybe we uh, open it up to the public. I know you brought it up last night. This is your idea. Uh, but maybe we open it up to the public. Maybe we uh, have our morning show, have the uh, our DFS plays for the Thursday night game with everybody else. We'll see how that goes. Um, but either way, we are going to be picking DFS teams tomorrow for the just the Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Browns, along with predicting then previewing the AFC games for week three. So much and more coming up tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here in the city you are not going to want to miss a single second of it until then though for my best friend aaron mukes that's for me myself, i am i am me i'm actually the me in this situation it's, it's i it's, am groot that that's that <laughs> i'm not groot he's not groot either he's not a tree but either way we'll see you tomorrow live at 10 a.m eastern time goodbye peace out Sack City. Thanks for following wherever you download your podcast. You want to see what this city has to offer? Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the best NFL content on the interwebs. Sack City, baby!